You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Hopefully the feast was delicious. You're not too much in a food coma where you're just, you know, laying around the house on a Friday. And if you are, well, we do appreciate you spending a little bit of your Black Friday or Saturday with us right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We got a lot to get into. We will break down a lot of Steelers Colts here. Mike DeFabo of The Athletic, who covers the Steelers on a day-to-day basis, will join us to go behind enemy lines. We will give you our game picks here as well and a lot to break down from this matchup of uh, two teams going in the absolute wrong direction. But let's start with this, George, since we are coming off of Thanksgiving here. It's fair to ask, are you a guy who does get in a food coma? I do. I have to be really careful now, too, because now that now I have kids, uh, you know, before you could just kind of just breeze through Friday. And now you got to, you know, they're bouncing around. She's up and <laughs> they're ready to roll. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, I, I got to be like, it, it's dangerous, dangerous. That's a good point. I don't have kids. I'm not married, so I, w- I wouldn't like be in that mindset. But you're right. You, you, Friday's like the perfect day. Just kind of lay around, watch some college football, kind of just be lazy. And whether it's shop, online shop, just kind of let, let the almost defrosting, if you will, from the big feast on Thursday happen. But you are right, man. If you are someone with kids like yourself, it's bouncing around. It's all right. Because activities, it's a free day off. What are we doing? There's no line around. So God bless to you today, George, because you are, you're going to need it, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, hey, it's better than when she's sick, right? It's all I, I'd rather see her have too much to do than than trying to get her through, you know, because this Indiana weather, I mean, 20 degrees in the morning and it's 60 in the afternoon, like uh, not fun, not good for my yeah. sinuses. No, no, that is for sure. Not good on that. Not good if you're trying to dress for the day, which is almost impossible to do when it's winter during the evening and, and kind of summer, spring during the day. It's it is uh, frustrating for sure. All right. So before we get into the Steelers Colts preview. Uh, earlier this week, we had a big benching in the NFL, and that's Zach Wilson, number two overall pick of just the 2021 NFL draft. The Jets announced he is getting benched for the short term. Mike White will take over for the Jets. And this is intriguing because, again, now the Colts are in a position where, as the season's going, as they're 4 6 and 1 right now, they are most likely out of the running for a top three, top five pick. So you think, okay, if you want to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the upcoming draft, most likely the Colts have to trade up a lot to get in there. 
let's let's say unlikely, especially a lot of teams uh, in the market near the top that are going to be in the quarterback hunt. And obviously, you're very far from the playoff race as well. So the kind of Colts are stuck in the middle. Maybe the answer for them could be trading for a guy. Maybe it could be Zach Wilson. George, I know this is fresh, so it's not like you can, you know, get any sort of sourcing inside the organization of the like, you know, if anyone on the Colts likes Zach Wilson. But just as a football fan yourself, would Zach Wilson be of any interest to you if they were kind of sniffing around that in the offseason, if he was to come available? No, I'd, I'd have more interest in Mike White, to be honest. I, I, I think I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather go after him uh, than Zach Wilson or Taylor Heineke, you know, get get one of those guys. Uh, who just seem to 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 draw people to them. Uh, my biggest issue right now with Zach Wilson is uh, beyond you know the poor play on the field. His his reaction to Sunday's game, uh, you know his words in that press conference. It would be really hard to sell a team on on this guy's a leader. This guy's going to come in here and he's going to rally you around him. It's very hard to be as bad or almost as worse as Sam Ellinger was against the Patriots a few weeks ago. But when you have basically Zach Wilson throwing for 77 yards, completing nine passes against the Patriots, and then, like you said, oh, I have no blame. It's tough to bounce back from. Not a surprise he's benched, but you're right. There's just – there's no reason. Like, for this team, obviously desperate to find a quarterback. And, it, it, again, it's going to be hard to draft one. Zach Wilson, now it's not the guy. There's no reason to go for another Band-Aid here and try to say, oh, maybe, you know, this we could fix him here, just like they tried to do with Carson Wentz. And what they sort of tried to do with Matt Ryan, the Colts are 0 for 2, at least in their last two quarterbacks, in terms of trying to revive someone's career where it kind of went south or, or stagnated in their previous landing spot. I, I'm with you. I don't want Zach Wilson. I, I would not touch with a 10-foot pole if I'm the Colts. And that's the guy that, honestly, I think if you're better off waiting and punting another year down, you know, kicking the can down the road one more year for a quarterback than it is to kind of basically waste draft capital, waste some money on bringing Zach Wilson and see if he can, you know, turn around. I think that's just right now. A waste. And it's interesting, George, because Twitter, you know, is a, a very divisive place. It's tough for really anyone to agree. And it's, it's very tough for the masses in general to agree. We threw this out on Twitter on Wednesday at Ryan underscore Hickey number three and at GM Berm if you want to take a look at the results yourself. But we just asked a simple question. Would you want, if Zach Wilson's available this offseason, would you want the Colts to kind of to trade for him? 88% right now as you record this pod say no. And funny, some people in the comments basically that I cheated. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a Titans fan. I voted yes. So really, even though it's 88% right now as we do this pod, it's really probably 90% at least because of how, you know, many people are saying yes, just to get the Colts to make a mistake. So I think it's fair to say, George, most of the fan base is out on Zach Wilson. You're out. I'm out. We'll see if Zach Wilson is even available. But if he is, that that's not an answer for the Colts whatsoever. You know, it would be interesting, though, if he is, and it's a big if, what would it even cost to get him right now? What could the Jets reasonably get for a guy that they spent the number two overall pick on just two years ago or just a year ago? I mean, as far as drafts go. I mean, so Carson Wentz was a, a conditional second that turned into a first. So a first and a third there. Matt Ryan was a third round pick. I mean, third round pick? Like, honestly, I, I is it crazy to say more? Like, I don't think he's getting more than Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz because at least for how – at least those two have proven something or have given you some reason to believe on the NFL field that, oh, this guy could be good. Like, what is Zach Wilson showing you? Maybe one okay game against the Bills earlier this year. But other than that, it's the success he has had in a short time in the NFL is nowhere near the level of Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan. And if you're talking about, again, conditional picks or third-round picks, I don't say it could be much higher than that. Now, I, think he, I think he appeared on Michael Pittman's uh, YouTube channel once. So, you know, does that, okay. does that give him a link here to the Colts? Is that, is that his – 
his way in. One guy I'm actually interested about in the same draft class, George, is Trey Lance. And yeah. like if if you're talking about, you know, like what I think honestly, I would give up more and I feel comfortable giving up more to get a guy like Trey Lance, even though we we literally basically know nothing about him. He's barely played compared to Zach Wilson. Yeah, well, I think that's part of it because with Wilson, you kind of do feel like you know what's there and and it's probably not worth going into and, and trying to develop that. But with Trey Lance, uh, for one thing, I think he's the type of quarterback that, that this is where the league's heading. I don't think there's any right. question about that. Uh, you know, it, you need quarterbacks who are dual threats. You need quarterbacks who can pick up those. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Craig Hoffman when we were talking to him from from the Command Take Command podcast. Uh, that you know the the biggest play right now EPA wise is is third down scramble by your quarterback because of what it adds to a game and, and your win percentage and, and all those sorts of things uh, and I think that's if nothing else you know Trey Lance has that you know I would rather try to develop him as a pocket passer and, and bet on his athleticism than to you know take my chances that I can turn Zach Wilson into a consistent winning kind of a quarterback. Agreed, and the price should be the same. I mean, I would even argue maybe it's even be a little bit more expensive for Trey Lynch just because, again, you've seen already what Zach Wilson is in his year and a half, if you will, uh, with the Jets and not being very good. And at times, him being worse than Joe Flacco and Mike White, it's like, oh, boy, not not a lot of reason for optimism there. But those are definitely, I think, two names for Colts fans to keep an eye on. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, for sure, if this offseason. Because, again, that's something for the Colts. When we talk about quarterback, well, the, if you're sitting there at 12 or 13, unless Chris Ballard – does what the 49ers did, and they gave up two other first-round picks, including the one in the 2020 draft to move to get Trey Lance at number three. If you have a team willing to do that deal, and then you know you have to give up two first-round picks, we've never seen Chris Ballard make a move that big before. If you're not going to do that, well, then maybe the best bet for the Colts if they want to get a young quarterback would be kind of taking one off the scrap heap, if you will. And again, for me, I would I would be all in on Trey Lance, and I would definitely take the risk. I would stay far, far, far away from Zach Wilson. I want nothing to do with him. It'll be interesting to see, you know, I mean, obviously Ballard would have to really fall in love with one of these guys to, to give up any kind of package like that. Uh, we haven't seen him do that. Obviously it's not something we would expect from him. Uh, the one guy that, that I'm kind of intrigued by a little bit is Hendon Hooker. It, it felt like he was not as high up draft boards as, as I expected him to be even before the injury. I mean, you hear more about Will Levis in some circles, you hear more about Anthony Richardson than you do about him. And granted, we haven't really started the, the actual, you know, combines kind of where you start to get an idea of where guys mm. really are falling as far as NFL teams. Some of the scouts start talking there, you know, late at night in some of the bars in downtown Indy, and you start to hear a little bit more about how these things actually shake out. Uh, but with that injury, you know, is he a guy that, that you could maybe steal in the second round, maybe even early in the third round, uh, and and get a player with with a lot more value than you normally would at that spot? I don't know. That's that's one thought that's in my head is maybe. If, you, if you're going for a reclamation project, maybe try to bring in Hendon Hooker and, and understand that you're not going to have him until 2024, but maybe you can get him out there late in the year in, in a short yardage goal line type of package and, you know, bring him along. Maybe you can steal a, a quarterback that way. I don't want to be, like, cruel uh, in saying this because it's going to sound pretty messed up, but it's like the 20 CL may actually work in the Colts' favor because you're right. Like, if he was, you know, maybe trending higher or going to be a guy that – you have to take in the first round and maybe someone else will try to get him. Now you're right. Like with the rookie year, basically with how late he tore his ACL, the rookie year is probably for the most part a wash at this point. It does. If you are able to get him in the second round and you're the Colts and there's an opportunity, like I said, it's still a long way away, but there's an opportunity where you can maybe get a left tackle with your first overall pick or first pick in the first round and then maybe get Hennon Hooker in the second round. 
I mean, I would say that so far, that's a, that would be a home run for Chris Ballard on the Colts, considering you can get two of the biggest needs possibly addressed. You'd be able to keep Matt Ryan for another year and, you know, have Hendon Hooker while he's rehabbing, learn under a consummate pro Matt Ryan. That could be, you know, the best bet here for the Colts in terms of addressing the most needs, getting the most bang for your buck. But like I mentioned, we are a long way away from that, and there's going to be 4 million other rumors thrown out there first. So, you know, there's going to be the Hendon Hooker first or all. There's going to be Hendon Hooker not getting drafted. It's going to go every which sort of way. That's how rumor season does work in January and February and really even March, too, when it comes to the NFL draft. So that's going to be that combine is going to be fascinating, George, when it does come to town here in a few months. But at least for right now, we do have a game uh, to focus on here. And you asked a really interesting question. Me and you were kind of talking before the podcast was the Colts are four, six, and one. Steelers are not very good either. Three, three and seven come into uh, Lucas Hall State on Monday night. Primetime game. Is this a must win for the Colts? Not to kind of get back in the playoff race, not even to gain some national respect or not be a laughing stock of the NFL. Just keep the fans engaged. Like, like is, is the fans at this point still engaged in your mind enough to where they'll they'll watch Monday night and still be interested? Or is this a game where they have to win in order to kind of keep the fans interested and, and risk uh, losing and having them check out? Yeah, you know, I feel like they have to win it. I, I think Jeff Saturday coming in kind of helped fan engagement a little bit, and it got people like, hey, let's check this out. Let's see what the team is uh, with a guy who they all completely adore. Uh, you know, from his time here as a player. But I think that that's the, the sands running out on that hourglass. I think at some point uh, you're going to have to do something more than that. And I think losing to a team like Pittsburgh, uh, who's got a great tradition historically, you know, this franchise is is amazing. But this year is not that Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I, I think you've got to find a way to win this game. If you don't, I think you're going to see a lot of the air go out of the balloon and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, you're going to be in a short week after this down to Dallas, which right now seems like a nightmare considering what they're coming off of, uh, what they just did on Sunday. But I, I just feel like if you're a fan and you're watching this team and you can't beat the Steelers at home on Monday night, what hope are you going to be able to generate for the rest of the season? I wonder if we already reached that point. Like, I'll, for myself, I'm not even really – locked in on wins and losses anymore. Like I'm watching more specific players and specific units. Like for me, I'm more interested to see what the offensive line can do against a healthy TJ Watt and, and a solid front four for the Steelers more than I'm if the, the Colts can win the game. You know, like I'm more interested seeing like it's a bad secondary. We'll talk to Mike DeFabe about this in a little bit. The Steelers have the worst pass secondary in the NFL or second worst. One of the two. I forget here. I apologize. We'll get the numbers here in a second. But they are either the worst or the second worst pass defense in all the NFL coming to this game. Can Matt Ryan and can Alec Pierce be a guy who's been quiet the last weeks? Can he step up and make some like you know some big plays like he kind of did in the middle of the season? Like for me at this point, I'm more concerned about units and specific players more than even wins and losses. I think the loss to Philly, even though you, again we had some intrigue after the Raiders game, we were questioning how much is it the Raiders, how much is it the Colts. Like I think now when you kind of see how the Philly game went, even though they played tough against a really good team. When you lose and you lose in a, a way that's very similar to what we've been seeing so far this year, I think we kind of talked about this on the post-game pod a little bit. It's the same old Colts, right? The same old Colts uh, with how they lose, how they kind of get you excited and then find a way to not win the game at the end. Uh, and a game that they should have won by their own mistakes kind of shows you same team, different coach, but kind of similar results. At this point for me, the, the ship has sailed when it comes to still camera wins and losses. I That's a good point. You know, I, I think there probably are a lot of people in that same boat. I mean, we talked about it on, on the midweek podcast this week that, that there's no realistic path to the playoffs. I mean, you, you'd have to go 5-1 and one minimum the rest of the way, uh, and there's just no reason to believe this team's going to be able to do that based on what we've seen so far. 
And I don't think Pittsburgh is going to change anybody's opinion on it. If you beat the Steelers, I don't think it's suddenly going to make everybody confident that a five and one finish is, is realistic. Um, I just think that it would be one of those devastating losses that, that even the last few people who might be clanging, hanging on, you know, it would be really hard to, to really justify that, that faith anymore. Uh, if you can't beat a three and seven team at home. So I think that's going to be an interesting storyline here. Uh, but I think you're right. I think one of the biggest things to watch in this game, more than wins and losses, is scoreboard or anything else. Bernard Raymond, in particular, Will Fries to a lesser degree. It's a huge challenge with this Pittsburgh front. I mean, the Steelers do a lot of things poorly. They have a lot of things that have led to their record. But this front four is legit. It's a Jeff Saturday said it's it's one of the better front fours in the in the NFL. I don't. It's not far off of you know the the. the I don't know if it's top five. Or anything like that, but I, I think it's I think it's top ten front four. I really do, um, and a lot of it has to do with T.J. Watt, like you said, you know, and, and their ability to to keep Matt Ryan clean. I think that's if you lose this game and Matt Ryan isn't sacked or he's only sacked once or twice, and it's not in a key situation, you feel better about this team moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, this is like you said, still a, a really solid front four. And even look last week in the in the game against the Bengals for the Steelers. Which they lost the game, but you know you look at the you look at the the offensive line for for Cincinnati that is you know they at least have made a lot of improvements in the offseason, but it's not really yielded the best results. They allowed only two sacks to the Steelers last week, so it's like even a bad offensive line was still able to do a solid job for the most part. Now Joe Burrow still got hit a little bit, especially in the first half, but they did a pretty solid job kind of minimizing that. So if you look at that. You know, and, and the Bengals offensive line, that's kind of in similar position to the Colts where you have some big names, but they're not playing up to the level and caliber. If we're sitting here on Monday night after the game, George, and we're talking on the postgame pod about Matt Ryan getting sacked five times or getting hit, you know, 10, 11 times, like it's it's even worse. Like, you know, and you feel even worse on an offensive line where the, the Bengals offensive line is not much better, is protecting better. Again, TJ Watts, one of the best, if not the best right now, defensive player in all football right now. He's, he's, a, uh, he's a menace. Like I said, that's a solid front four, especially – for defense that especially in the back half is really poor, but this is a really interesting test. And that's why, again, it kind of comes to talk about the season. Like you need drop fights. Like this is for the Colts now, right? We kind of talked about this on the midweek pod. And if you missed it, make sure you check out the blue horseshoe pod, wherever you do get your pods. We, we did talk about playoffs, right? If there's any hope for this team for the playoffs. And we said bare minimum, if you want to make a playoff run five and one, and you have games coming up against the Cowboys, like you mentioned. You have games against the Vikings, the Giants right now, who are seven and three. The Chargers come to town. Like, there's some tough games here that are with teams either at your level or better. That you're going to have to win most, if not all, of those games in order to kind of get your season turned around here. And one of the ways they do get turned around is by blocking better. But even if they don't, like, it would be embarrassing for sure, right? Especially on a national stage with everyone watching if you lose to a three and seven Steelers team. But I'll tell you this. I would feel better about the Colts in the future if they lose, I don't know, 20 to 17, but Matt Ryan's untouched or sacked one time and maybe he just had a bad day. The receivers couldn't block or even the the defense gets let up for the first time this season. They can't stop anyone. I would still feel better about that because at least that's the biggest weakness the Colts have you feel better about compared to if they win win the game 20 to 17 and it's like Matt Ryan is basically, you know, getting hit, you know, five, six, seven times or getting sacked five, six, seven times and getting hit 10, 11 times. It's kind of the same old, same old. I'd rather at this point sacrifice a win for better offensive line play. No, I'm with you. You know, I think that's, I mean, we talked about that when, when the move was made to Jeff Saturday, the number one thing he could do was not wins or losses. It wasn't a surprising, amazing playoff run. It was coming in and fixing this offensive line. And that's still true. You know, if, if you can walk away from the end of the season 
feel like Jeff Saturday made a positive impact on this offensive line. That's the greatest gift he could give this franchise right now. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm interested in this game from a defensive standpoint because this defense has held the Chiefs to 17 points, which is a season low, held the Eagles to 17 points, which is a season low. But I feel like nationally, there's still, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of attention given to this team. They're 4 6 and 1. They're playing in a small market. It's not been exciting games to watch. I don't think this defense has gotten the credit it deserves nationally is Monday night a chance for that to happen. This is a bad Pittsburgh offense. Could this defense, if the offense holds up its end of the bargain, at least enough to win the game, could they on a Monday night spotlight, maybe get a little bit of love? You know, I think you just answered your own question at the end there. Like I think the defense will get their love. If the offense plays well, if that makes sense, because you remember the only other primetime game the Colts played this year was Denver on, on Thursday night. The defense was great, right? Three field goals allowed the entire game. Russell, well, they picked off Russell Wilson twice, both in clutch spots uh, in the fourth quarter and overtime to, you know, extend the game and win the game. But the biggest talking point after that game was the offense, the how bad it was on both sides, like especially the Colts, I mean, how inept it looked for three and a half quarters. And it's like the defense for how great they played did not really get as much attention as they deserved because the, the biggest takeaway is how bad both offenses were. I think you hit it. If the Colts offense plays well, score 24 points, 27 points, hell, maybe 20, maybe they get in the end zone four times. How about that, George? Is that is that too much to ask? And if they win this game 28 to 10, it's weird to say that you need the offense to play well for the defense to get their flowers. But I think if you have a game where that is just clearly dominated by the defense and the offense is enough to score and kind of put the game away, I think that's when the defense will finally, to your point, get the recognition they deserve. Like, they should have gotten it on Sunday. I know Sunday was not a primetime game. It was a 1 o'clock game, and that was one of the ones – that was really the only 1 o'clock game that actually had, you know, from an um, intrigue standpoint going in was, like, I think, a pretty good game considering that you don't really know what the Colts were and the Eagles coming off their first loss. And that should have been a game where the defense got, like, you know – got on the map, if you will, nationally, and they didn't because the Eagles drove down the field last drive of the game, scored a touchdown, and that that's that. Where the offense should have taken it, you know, control the game where it, was, it wouldn't even be in that situation. So I think you need the offense to play well on Monday in order for the defense to kind of get their, uh, get their rightful respect. And I think to that point, you know, if the Colts cash in that, that first and goal of the five and put that game away, I think what you're talking about would have happened. I think there'd be a lot of talk this week and certainly on Sunday about what this defense did and wins over the chiefs and the Eagles and how maybe they're not getting the attention that they should. And, and, you know, maybe the more underrated unit in the NFL, but again, the offense's failures uh, and then them, you know, putting the defense in a situation where the Eagles were able to come back and win the game, I think leaves the defense in, in that sort of limbo that it's, that it's been in. Um, they've got playmakers at all three level, levels. Zaire Franklin was talking about that on Wednesday in the locker room. You know, that if you look at this defense on paper, it shouldn't be a surprise that they're playing like a playoff caliber defense. You got guys like Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. Quiddy Pay was playing amazing football before he got hurt. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Tyquan Lewis, uh, you know, is done for the year, but he was having another really nice year as a rotational piece in there. I think Dio Adangbo is really coming on. The, the, the front has looked good, and Gawkway's had games. He had a really good game against the Eagles on Sunday, probably his best game since he's been here. Zayer Franklin's been a breakout guy at linebacker. Bobby O'Carricase had some really big plays, none bigger than the one against the Raiders where he knocked the ball away in the end zone. And then the secondary led by Stephon Gilmore. On paper, they should be playing this way. On the field, they are playing this way. I just feel it's hard for me to think of another unit in the NFL right now that's more underrated than this Colts defense. I would agree. I would agree. And it's just – it's. 
in large part due to the fact that the offense and the record are they are not in a place where they should be when you look at on paper and again how the Colts are playing these games. They should be they are better than a four six and one record says they are, but they just can't make enough plays, and that's their own fault. We're not making excuses. But you're right, like th- this defense is a top five defense. They are absolutely playoff caliber defense. You can make the argument they are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Well, like they 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 like I said, they've limited the two highest powered offenses they have played in the Chiefs and Eagles, held them to season low points, and that no one else has really even come close to for the most part this season do what the Colts are able to do to Kansas City and, and Philadelphia. And so now every single test, for the most part, they have passed, again, for the most part, uh, especially the last, let's say, five, six, seven weeks of the season. Just uh, unfortunately, you know how NFL fans are nowadays, especially from the national perspective. It's you look at your record. Oh, okay. We're, you know, why watch the Colts are 461? I don't really care about them. They're not on the play picture. Let's watch something else. Or, oh, the Colts are 461, their top five defense, but and probably not as good as they are because look at the record. They're not winning. Yeah, that's just, you know, sometimes, the you know, as Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are. And that sometimes unfairly leaves fans to assume, oh, the defense can't be that good because the Colts aren't winning. Or, the you know, they're, they can't be, you know, that elite because the offense, you know, forget about the offense. just They just look at the record and, oh, it can't be that good. It's frustrating. But you're right. This could be – this is really the only chance for them. And maybe on Sunday night against the Cowboys as well for them to kind of really make a name for himself, kind of make a statement, if you will, that this this defense is good. Like, start paying attention to them, even though the offense right now stinks. And and the flip side of that is how bad is the offense, right? I mean, when we're talking about a defense that has the caliber to to potentially be a Super Bowl champion defense, uh, your offense is, what, 31st in scoring and 30th in rushing, something like that still. Uh, It's every bit as bad as the numbers are, too. Sometimes you look at those numbers and you say, well – there's there's circumstances, you know, this happened or that. Happened. I think this offense is legitimately what it looks like on paper. They're so self-destructive right now. Uh, and just their inability to take advantage of things like in that Philadelphia game. And we keep going back to it, not just that first and goal at the five, but, the, you know, Yannick Ngakwe gets that strip sack to start the second half. That should have been a, a huge play. It should have been a momentum swinger and they get three points. And when they start the, at, at the other team's 22-yard line, this offense – over the last six games, to me, this offense's ability to show any life at all is the most important thing. Not wins and losses. Can they look like an average NFL offense for the final six games of the season? And speaking of that, George, equally as important is turnovers. I feel like every week I kind of talk about it, but this is a game, especially when you look at the Steelers, like the Steelers have their own problems turning the ball over on offense, and the Colts, the one negative thing you say about the defense right now that's lacking is their ability to, to turn the ball over and generate, you know, opportunities for the offense at short fields. Really, when you look around, like one of the, you know, for the defense especially, they should be even better than they really are right now because still they've been kind of screwed, you know, in some games with short fields by the offense with bad fumbles or bad interceptions of their own end that gives the opponents favorable field position. If you were able, especially in this game against the Steelers on Monday night, if you just cut out the turnovers, which they're tied for first with, with 19. So I get it's That's a very daunting task and a big ask when you're almost averaging two turnovers a game for this offense to do. But it's really as simple as if you don't turn the ball over, I have all the faith in the world this defense is going to hold Pittsburgh to no more than 10 points for sure. So now it's just about can you at least just execute, which we've been talking about now, George, for 11 going on 12 weeks. And kind of for the most part, outside of one or two games or one or two halves, same story. Same story. Uh, You know, it's funny because Jeff Saturday has been talking about it now. He's only been here for two and a half weeks, but even he's saying like they've got to take the execution on the practice field over to the game field. I feel like, Frank Reich said that for nine weeks. You know, yeah. it was 
it's the same thing. It looks good. They know they have the right guys. With Reich, it was we know we have the right guys in, in, the, in the building. You know, we, we have everything we need. With Saturday, it's all, we have enough talent. All the talent's here. We, it's the same, same phrases from the head coaches. Um, they're just not getting it done out there on the field, and I think we all know where the heart of that problem is. But it's not just the offensive line. It never is just one thing. Uh, like you're talking about, Jonathan Taylor has, I think, three fumbles now. Michael Pittman went through that period where he wasn't holding on to the ball the well as well as he should have. Uh, there's just these key mistakes that, that happen. And it's not just that they're making turnovers. They keep doing it, too. Like, when you're driving, you know, when you're when you're going for a, for a critical score against the Titans in that first game here at Lucas Oil Stadium and you fumble the ball around your own 30. It, that kind of thing has happened way too often to this football team. And to me, that's the difference in the NFL. I don't know that, you know, they've kind of gotten Pete Rozelle's dream. Any given Sunday, the parodies all over this league. The difference between the good teams and the bad teams now is execution. The good teams don't shoot themselves in the foot as consistently as the Colts have so far this season. I saw Tom Brady kind of wrap up this thought, George, and you're right. I think it was on his Let's Go podcast this week. was basically giving a shout-out to Bill Belichick. It's saying more games are lost in the NFL than won. It's basically if you just execute and just do what you're supposed to do, you'll win more games because more times than not, the other team will make mistakes. That's the epitome of the Colts season right there. And that's the biggest reason why the Colts are 4-6-1 and one and not, I don't know, 7-3 and three or 7-4 and four maybe, or 8-3, and three, just because of, of the fact that they haven't been able, or they've lost more games than, you know, than other teams have won. It's infuriating, but it, and it sounds simple. Like I said, Frank Reich has been talking about it. Jeff Saturday's been talking about it. But for whatever reason, the message is not resonating. The players just can't carry out their own responsibilities. That They can't shake the turnover bug. They talk about it. They talk good about it, but they just they can never have it replicate or, or take it to the game field and execute all the words they talk about throughout the week. Yeah, execution. I mean, that's that that was I think uh, Jeff Saturday's main theme throughout this week was execute. You know, make the plays uh, in the first quarter as well as the fourth quarter, and and you know get make that your identity. And it's it's been just the opposite. A team that has struggled on offense, a team that has struggled with turning the ball over, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike DeFabo of the Athletic will join us next to go behind any lines and get you prepped for Colts and Steelers on Monday night. We'll do it in the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns.